Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Contingent Workforce Radio brought to you by Utmost. Utmost is the extended workforce system built exclusively for Workday users to source, engage, and optimize spend for their extended workforce of contractors, freelancers, SW-based workers, and any type of external worker as part of your workforce. And today we have a special episode. We're going to be recapping Sourcing Industry Group, SIG's uh, recent conference, and we have a new guest today, our recently joined Julie and of course, Erica, our head of client services, and would like to introduce yourselves, folks. Yes, thank you, Saad. Welcome everybody back. Excited to chat with you. It's been a good week of conference. So I'm Erica Novak, head of client services, uh, resident contingent workforce nerd. I love this space, been this industry about for about 14 years, and honestly, hope I stay in the next 14 years. And I'm excited to have. Julie Skagel join us today. She's newer to Utmost and she joined us uh, at the conference and she's going to share her perspective. So Julie, introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Julie Skagel and I've been in the industry about as long, maybe a little bit longer. Love the space as well. Have been in sort of every area you can imagine, sales operations, partnership management, and content is something I'm really passionate about and have been doing freelance writing in the space for about the last five years and could not pass up the opportunity to come join Utmost for everything they're doing. So I'm glad to be here. Yeah, baby. All right. <laughs> Where do you want to get started? Kind of focus our focus our attention on, there was a, there was about three days worth of content. So lots yeah, of Yeah, I'd like you to summarize all of that right now. <laughs> Guys, this will be a three-hour special. Stay with us. <laughs> no, no, let's do it in the Reader's Digest for those who are old enough to remember what a Reader's Digest was or a TV magazine. They used to have those. All right, what do you, where, where do we start? Yeah, let's start with just what you found to be some of the major themes or takeaways, something that might have been recurrent throughout the conference or, yeah, some key takeaways for those who only had time to join one session, but we can provide a little bit of that more broader overview of what happens. Julie, you're new to the group. You go first. Let me start. Let me start us out. So I think there were, there was a couple sort of takeaways that I seem to have heard from most sessions. You know, I think there's a lot of discussion around just how, how the workforce is changing, how the, you know, it's it's becoming more of a global environment in which to to attract and retain talent that gives companies a lot more opportunity but it also creates a, a challenge i think right now just in terms of how quickly you know these candidates and workers can get onboarded and start you know how how the the workplace is changing there was a, i think a lot around the hybrid workforce model is sort of here to stay how can you know? How can companies sort of capitalize on that flexibility and create uh, you know a, a solid working environment, both for the enterprise and the worker? What else? There was quite a bit around uh, candidate engagement, which I think is is critically important as that workforce changes. I think what what workers are demanding has changed as well, not just from a, sort of that candidate experience, but really sort of investing in people from an early time frame, not just when, you know, they've been accepted to a requirement and are, are about to start a, a job. So, so that was, those were sort of the, the big trends uh, that I saw. Automation, obviously, within technology, also a big one. I think so. sort of is interesting. I, I, so I wasn't able to attend much of the conference. And it, what, what the, we were describing is like, you know, all this talk about candidates and workers. It's like, 
I thought this is a procurement conference, but it's really interesting that you're saying that there's a lot of like a well, worker and talent discussion, workforce. So, I mean, I guess, is this like a broader trend that seems to be happening that procurement is recognizing the world of work or workers and workforce and, and that almost talent lens? No, I, I felt the same thing where, and you started to see this last year and it could be COVID related, right? Where the humanizing of suppliers right? You start talking about experience, a little bit more of a grace, but I, I agree with you, Julie. It was interesting to see, right, at a, a SIG conference, and it is meant to be focused on contingent workforce. So not a surprise, a lot of MSPs, a lot of VMS, a lot of direct sourcing players in there or whatnot, but, but you are right. The language that they were using, again, two years ago, the amount of cost savings, right, and compliance sessions was a very different thing when we are today versus human ca- uh, candidate talent, right? You really started to hear people talk about talent, which is you don't always hear in procurement talk about a talent strategy for this. It's very much contracts, cost savings, compliance, automation, not a surprise or whatnot. But I, I agree. I really felt it was much more in views with human capital. And I would say to top it all off with having Workday join. Now, again, Workday is focused on Workday financials and their acquisition of Scout. But it was really interesting to hear one session fully having workday, typically workdays on the human capital side. And so to watch this bridge and an exciting, again, being in this industry of watching the merge of HR and procurement together and looking at how work gets done. So I'm excited to see almost kind of what happens next year and see it again. Is it further blend? Because last year's conference, you heard a lot about total workforce. And again, we'll get into what the definition of that is, blah, what I'm seeing, but You'd hear, heard a lot about procurement starting to take a stand on total workforce versus HR, but it's, I'm excited to see the blend again. Of course, there was cost savings. Of course, there was automation. More on data, but not just cost savings data, more of like the data of what, how work is getting done. But there was a change. Like There definitely was. I think a lot of people think SIG conferences are only for programs that are owned by procurement professionals. I felt this was a conference that you could have been on either side of the of the of the line and enjoyed and gotten something from it. And honestly, able to hear it from your per, your counterparts perspective. Absolutely. Were there any sessions I think that were like specifically evocative of this or any sessions that stood out whether it's referencing the human capital angle or just any sessions in general that you thought was were really engaging? Yeah, I think the the workplace has changed forever that was with TD Securities and Fannie Mae, and then Chris Morosky, uh, the CPO at ABM, also sort of touched on it that you know the, this hi- this hybrid workforce or you know workplace isn't going anywhere. So how can we create tools around you know around a way that the enterprise and the talent is being you know set up for success? <clears throat> I think in, from Chris's perspective, he was kind of saying, I think it's really exciting because it's really extends the ability for us to get talent. So, you know, I don't have to be looking for somebody in um, New York City. I can look for somebody anywhere. And that really sort of expands, you know, the capabilities for, for, you know, who we bring into our environment. And that sort of landed into another conversation around sort of diversity of thought and, and how we can sort of now engage, you know, an entire globe full of workers versus, you know, somebody that had to come into a New York City office in the past. So I thought those sessions were more pretty interesting from that perspective. Yeah, I like the, it's a very long name. 
uh, the reducing contingent labor risk while streamlining the contracting process with Apple Orchard. But what I liked about it was it was three gentlemen hitting hard on procurement topics, right? And from soup to nuts. I think sometimes what's hard for conferences is you have you have uh, newbies who are just listening for the first time. You have very seasoned professionals. I thought they did a nice job kind of hitting points for everyone. And one of the things that I really liked about this session is we talk a lot about statement of work. We talk a lot about of like, oh, should it be an SOW or a contractor? And I think it is important, and I've heard that said this a couple times, is we made that up, right? The idea of you can have time and materials and contractors on a statement of work. That's not against anyone's law, right? It really comes down to it's, it's a cost exercise, but really trying to articulate why do you want it on a statement of work versus just an hourly rate? And so they lined up in a couple good ways, like kind of three key bullet points. What are the deliverables? And I, I apologize for I get the guy's name who said, these are tangible things, not a month, right? Typically, you'll start to see some statements of work that are put together is, what's your deliverable monthly? And they're trying to get to a billing, you know, a monthly billing, right? Because they want to make sure there's rev, recognize, rev, recognize revenue every month. And we're saying, at the end of April, we'll have a checkpoint. Super common, right? On an 18-month project. We said, no, I need to be able to touch that and understand what it is. Also, talk, defining the quality, and this is what you usually miss on acceptable on statements of work, is that acceptable acceptable criteria. Easy for me to say, and it really is. Is yeah, maybe let's make this easy. I said, Julie, can you put together a three a PowerPoint for me to deliver? But if you give me ninety seven PowerPoints and I wanted three, or you give me one and I wanted twelve, there's a misalignment on what we actually were talking about as that delivery outcome. You just sending me something saying, hey, I did this. We're going to have a fight now, right? And the third of like what really should have been accomplished. And let's go back to the PowerPoint. Hey, I'm ready to give a presentation in this X, Y, and Z. And so I like that because I think a lot of the time we skip over those details that a lot of these tactical procurement people are looking for or the managers. Oh, if you just told me that was what's important in a statement of work, I would have thought that through. They won't always write it down. Let's be very honest. They're very rarely going to write it down, but they are going to talk to you from a procurement point of view that says, it's important that this mobile app has been tested 300 times by the end of the statement of work. Okay, now I know how to measure that. And I thought they did a really nice job of just being really clear and concise of talking about what's important. So that's definitely one that I would go back to and listen to, especially since the statement of work modules in VMS, so the idea of how are we playing with procurement has become an, again, it's not a huge on the rise trend, but there are there is more adoption to it as people are trying to figure out what's important. I think that's a very key piece of what's a good at statement of work and what's not. So that's one I would. Yeah. I also, I love the, which again, I'm new, so I'm allowed to do this once at least. The session we'll find had, out. The session that you had with Sage, I thought was really interesting because she was one, she was just so excited, which I love. It's it's hard to not be excited when somebody else is that excited about it. And she really talked about, you know, sort of revolutionizing the workforce and and how, you know, the the ability to have that flexibility, you know, not only within the technology, but also how it relates to sort of their worker centric sort of model for all labor, I thought was really um, it, it was an exciting session as well. Oh, I'm glad. And I'll tell you, guys, watching yourself live while other people are watching yourself is the worst thing on the planet. And then you're just analyzing <laughs> your hair and you're like, why was this sod? Why did you approve for me to record on that day? But no, I agree. Like Jess from Sage, 
what I loved about what she had to say was the vision and philosophy she has for her program. A lot of people just go in and implement a technology or a partnership because isn't that what everyone's been telling me to do for 10 years? And they let the partners dictate what the program becomes. And I'm a firm disbeliever in that. Like, no, it should never be an out of the box. It should be what are you as your company attempting to do and then having them enable that for you, whether it's technology or partner services. And so I love that she had six really clear philosophies that was really important to Sage as a company. And again, it, everything that we do has to align to what the company has. You can't have a LinkedIn philosophy and drop that into Facebook. Oh, aren't they the same barrier tech, social media? No, they're yeah. not. And so I love that she started from like the company vision to how that applied into contingent workforce. And she's a talent acquisition director. So plays into the overall talent strategy of what's in, important. So again, she's got phenomenal energy can get really nerded out. And again, she's looking forward, not looking back. I think a lot of people have asked, oh, like, well, when I'm starting this program, what should I do? And everyone always says MSP VMS. And she kind of said, no, that's, that's bullshit. I don't think that's what you used to do. But again, we go back to binds, not a strategy. I actually want to look forward. And I love that. What I, what I really liked when she was asked about, like, what's the case to the executives or just kind of bring it to like why they needed a new way is that they're in a very competitive space, like a biotech pharma where talent is in hot demand. So figuring out the right way to attract it, it's not just about thinking about your employees. It's like really thinking deeply about your extended workforce and biotech and pharma, just you're getting highly paid consultants and what are you doing to attract and engage them? So it's, it's just as important as the rest of your workforce. So to make that case, of that that true total talent vision it, it's the reason that they wanted to choose this was it, they saw it as a competitive advantage whereas many companies see the extended workforce as a purely a cost control kind of figure where she was explicitly saying how can we turn our extended workforce into a competitive advantage over other biotech and pharma companies how can they truly win and attract the best talent and i thought that was like a pretty unique vision to take on it. I mean, mind you, she's on the talent acquisition team. So that's part of like the, the role of the talent acquisition, but really truly thinking the talent acquisition is not just about your full-time employees, but about your full extended workforce. Yeah. I thought that was really important because she's definitely embracing sort of this new, you know, types of workers that are out there. And I thought it was interesting because she said, you know, we just we just want the hire manager to come to us and tell us what their need is. And then we can decide which levers to pull based on that need versus I need this specific type of worker because it really just sort of changes the the conversation. Yeah, no, I agree. It's the, and it's to me biased for sure, but it's the true, true definition of total workforce. I think I was a little, little bummed that there was a couple of sessions that talked about total workforce and really what they meant is kind of like all the non-employees. But not all the non-employees, like what you're saying, like in a strategic way, it was like, well, here's what we're doing for contractors and here's what we're trying to do for statement of work. And then everyone else gets to be in resource tracking or a different thing. And to me, that's okay. You're getting, a, you're getting maybe a headcount of all the different non-employees, but it's not a total workforce lens in a strategic manner, right? And again, when we talk about it, it's, it's employees and non-employees. It's all talent, regardless of channel, right? Thought through and, and strategic with strategy versus just a, well, here's what we do for one population and then some for another. And then the rest of them are in this bucket. And you're kind of like, ah, 
we're still missing it as an industry. And so Julie, you and I, the industry has bastardized total workforce. We're changing the, I'm going to, I'm going to give it up thankfully and say, okay, I'm going to, what is it? Maria Keto say, thank you. You've given me peace. Now goodbye. We're going to come up with something different that talks about like, this is the bucket we're talking about all talent together. Great. Will you help me? I'm here. Um, One last piece I would say as far as an overall trend is that change management is hard. I think it was really fun listening to people kind of take a deep sigh when asked. And it's like, yeah, it's really hard. Hard to stop. Like, guys, this is not an easy thing, especially in a procurement tool in a procurement world of how do you buy things different, approval workflows is there is at least I'll count them four different sessions that I hate people just kind of like, yeah, it's really hard. There's no way around it. It's going to suck. Right. And that's what they meant. And, it, and they're not wrong. Right. I think everyone, you blame the supplier, you blame your team, you blame we didn't do it. No, change management is just really hard. And sometimes it's painful. So it, was, it actually made me laugh a couple of different times that I just heard how gruff and accepting they were of like, yeah, it was the worst that I've ever done, but we got through it. Right. was the end, like, but we got through it. So that was, Again, I like authenticity. I like realness. I don't like people who pretend hard things are easy or that everything goes perfectly. It's very much like motherhood. Like, oh yeah, child labor and raising a toddler is super easy and fun. No, it's not. It's hard. Anyone who pretends it's not like to me, can't be trusted. So I enjoy people who are authentic about doing things, doing new things or automating new things or changing systems or changing services or relationships is tough. And the bigger your company is, the tougher it is. And it kind of helps that expectations. Like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. I like that because it sets, again, our job should be helping educate other people in our industry of what to expect and get better. Not to pretend to hold ourselves to a standard that we haven't achieved and no one else has. And so I like, again, maybe this is through COVID and with Zoom and people becoming more graceful with dogs and cats and kids in the background is, there's a little bit more reality to what's going on versus the perfectly polished be like me too without the behind the scenes. And I like that. It helps others. It's real. Yeah, I agree. Well, and even having an entire session around sort of design thinking, and it reminds me a lot of sort of like the agile, you know, leadership and, you know, how you develop teams and really to say like, we can do this a different way. There should be a different way to do this. Let's figure that out together. And so we find something that works, but stepping outside of kind of the standard, this is how I do something. And so this is how we're going to continue to do it for the next hundred years. I think the fact that they, they had an entire session around that was pretty remarkable. Yeah, I do too. You can, you see it in HR, you see it in L and D, you see it in product, but you don't see it around like the finance procurement because it is much more about streamlining versus design thinking. So that was a nice, a nice change. Touching upon like the the systems angle just a little bit, we just uh, discussed. We've been talking a lot about like you know the, the mindset and the, the kind of the different risk aspects and the talent angle. But from like a pure like yeah technology point of view, are there any takeaways of just trends that you're seeing from the different technologies or providers out there, or just discussion about how systems should be in place? You kind of mentioned this design thinking, but any any thoughts on on that? Yeah, I liked. Catalyst and Guidant Global. So for those who aren't familiar, Sean Chow was one of the OGs of Field Glass and has moved on to a startup. And his big thing was about low code. And if you think about what's going on in Silicon Valley and in other places, you start to hear a lot. ServiceNow is now kind of rebranded to like the, the low code workflow, whether it's true or not. But you start to hear a lot about 
can we can we automate with low code? I think that it becomes really important because when you think about implementation, think about the the skills that you need to do some things, that's become more and more important kind of outside of almost all industries of what can we do in a way that's configurable and able to give it to the user in a very simple way that you don't have to have this technical background. And so I love that's what Utmost is doing as well, but it was interesting to have Sean call this out. Their use case was very much about MSPs and the learning that he had had as a, from a VMS perspective of saying, oh my gosh, you guys are doing all of this manual. Wouldn't it be so you guys so much more time if you could do this in this way? And so it was new companies trying to think that through. And I honestly think that's where newer companies like Utmost and today, that's where we're supposed to be starting from versus trying to transition to, because it's going to be expected as far as a buyer to bring the system in and then be able to touch and change and do it without having addition, all these additional services or other skill sets be responsible for it. Yeah, I really liked his session as well. I sort of talked about the rise of the citizen developer and really taking people that are in the business and really utilizing them and saying, how would you design this? Okay, why don't we design this and you help build out these workflows? No, you're not a developer, but you do understand what's missing and what we could be doing better. So let's have you be a part of that conversation. That's right. Citizen developer. That was such a phenomenal term. Maybe I'm behind the grade and common nomenclature, but I love that. That got really resident citizen developer, which I would like to be as well. Um, <laughs> that was, yeah, again, just very articulate, eloquent. That's a fantastic way to put that. Yeah, I think the the en- enablement of automation and uh, workflows built by the business are just a, a, a way to really reduce, obviously, the burden on all the IT teams that have to build all these different integrations and different uh, concepts. But I think that's a definite improvement. Just wrapping up. You know, is there anything you'd like to see next year at SIG? I think we kind of touched upon this uh, a little bit that we're seeing these changes overall, but is there anything you think that just next year, like future SIG conferences, they'd like to see more of topics that you want to see dive into even more discussion? Curious to get your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I think let me take a shot at that. And this is less specifically for SIG, but just for more conferences, right, is we do a good job of talking about what we've done and lessons learned, but I don't think we do a really good job of how to. And sometimes it's the, are we afraid to share the steps that we took to actually get there, right? Typically you'll hear like, get a governance model in place and talk to your stakeholders, right? But the actual, like the nitty gritty, I think becomes what's really important, right? When you, especially if you think about new procurement folks or folks who are newer to contingent workforce, or when you think about total workforce management, the idea is, you want to put that, put that playbook in people's hands and it's going to diverge and be different for every company. But I think sometimes we get a little too lofty. We get a little too like, here's what you should be doing and here's what's important, but you forget the the steps to actually get that done and the clarity on that. Now, that's very hard to do without a PowerPoint sometimes when you're giving a presentation. So it does take you know a lot of practice in your presentation and making sure you're, like, you're setting up the questions or so. But I do think... People want to hear about ideas and newness, but they also want to understand like how they actually take hold. So what does harnessing diversity actually mean and look like, right? Julia gave me a really good example of, of, of putting it to, to you know, a company's bonus structure, right? But tips and tricks of how to actualize things, I think is what's important and sometimes missing in conferences like this versus Agreed. just kind of the cheerleading a cause. But I think that was the the final session with Bernie Banks was, I mean, it was incredible on a number of levels. He's just a powerful speaker and, and was really able to put very, very complex, you know, topics of conversation into 
something that everybody could sort of easily digest. And being able to give those specific examples, like at XYZ company, they do this. At this company, they do this. That's something that people can hold on to and take back to their organizations and actually make a change. So I agree. Yeah, I think people sometimes have a, a bit to struggle of like showing what's behind the kimono and willing to show, as you kind of said, like authenticity and, and, and vulnerability in some of this. Like a lot of these changes are hard. As you said, change management is hard. We'd love to know how, like, you know, the best way to improve is getting real feedback on how it went. But yeah, I mean, part of it is just like, you know, 20 minute sessions, like how deep or tactical can you really get? But I think that is definitely something that people want is to be able to learn how things have happened, not just the final rosy, happy ending that you got there. But with that, any final thoughts or wrap up that you all want to share? Final thought, I just want to say like big shout out to Mary Zampino. I mean, as far as the organization and structure of putting this together, knowing everyone is going crazy at any point in time for all the speakers, I thought they did, her and the SIG team did a phenomenal job. The conference did not go off without a hitch. There was technical difficulties and they handled it like a pro. I mean, there's a ton of stuff going on behind the scenes that attendees don't ever really see. And so I think they did a really nice job knowing there's some things they couldn't control and finding alternative solutions, trying to communicate, and again, setting everyone's expectations up. So just, again, huge shout out. Everyone's learning how to do this in a, in a, in a Zoom-related way. I thought they just did as, as nice a job as they possibly can. So it's always important to say thank you for the ones who are doing things behind the scenes because you never know what goes in there. So like, Mary, you, you knocked it out. Awesome. And definitely agree. The prep work, the attendees don't get to see, but yeah, they really prep you, prep the speakers, prep the sponsors really well for the sessions and for the kind of boots and the whole innovation hall. So really good work in just a a prep standpoint. But with that, thank you all for joining this episode of Contingent Workforce Radio. We look forward to having you next time.